I'm Chris Holt, Chief Executive of CHC Global, and welcome to the third of a three-part series in our series of Malicious Bites podcasts. Fegan Murray, OBE, is a campaigner and the driving force behind the Protect Duty, one of the most significant pieces of legislation that will impact public safety and security in the United Kingdom, making it a legal requirement for owners and operators of public spaces to be prepared for terrorist attacks. In 2017, Fegan's son, Martin Hett, was one of 22 people killed in the devastating Manchester Arena terrorist attack. And since then, Fegan has been tirelessly campaigning to make a change to our legislation through the Protect Duty, or as it's known, Martin's Law. In the summer of 2022, I accompanied Fegan on a visit to Washington DC, along with Paul Jeffrey from the Perimeter Security Suppliers Association. During our time in the States, we took the opportunity with our US-based partners the National Consortium for the Study of Terrorism and Responses to Terrorism, or START, and the US Security Industry Association, SEER, to invite a small audience to meet with Fegan, giving them the opportunity to ask their own questions. Following is a short recording of Fegan talking about her thesis and her campaigning work to bring the Protect Duty, or Martin's Law, into effect. Some of the topics discussed here involve bereavement, and there is a frank discussion about terrorist violence and how it impacts people and families. So I looked initially at the changing face of terrorism. So obviously the, in 2014, uh, Abu Mohammed al-Adnani, I'm sure you're all familiar with what he said and circulated worldwide on the, on the net, uh, the, this quote that he said, kill them, kill the infidels with any means, use a stone, use vehicles, use a knife, poison them, drop them from a height, all that. And of course, people had the internet at home in their bedrooms and the, it, it brought the emergence of law and actors out, so that became a big problem. So when people, the general public, shout that the government isn't doing enough, police aren't doing enough, again, that's nonsense. People are working really hard, but a lot of times people are under the radar of anything because they get radicalised in their bedroom. So um, obviously, you know, uh, 400,000 deaths are quoted in uh, about the global database. Between 1981 and 2017, and that may not be as high as, a no, as the number of deaths from road traffic accidents, but it's not about um, the deaths, it's about the impact terrorism has, unfortunately. Um, and it, the impact is on global peace, it's on global economy, it's on human rights, and it's on de- democracy. And I'm sure there's many other reasons why the impact of terrorism is so, so important. And therefore, I felt that target hardening is really one of the keys to deal with it. And target hardening is all about Martin's Law, how to protect ourselves. And um, uh, that's why, uh, you know, sort of the the onus is on on owners and operators of publicly accessible locations, which is abbreviated in my dissertation as PALS. Um, That that is really um, important. But of course, to bring out a legislation that is meaningful, you need to have a public consultation. Um, and the public consultation in the UK for this this legislation was actually because there's been so much discussion on the in the security industry. It was really well. Um, uh, um, partic- the participation was good. I think 2,755 people responded, which is for a public consultation a really healthy number. And people really engaged with it and were sort of saying, you know, public consultations are important because after all. 
all, if you bring a legislation out that's not fit for purpose or not proportionate, people are just not going to use it and it's going to end up on a heap of failed legislation. And that's the last thing that, that I want to happen. But um, so it's, it gives the relevant industry the opportunity to actually have their say, saying, well, this, this way it might not work, but you may need to think of that. And people really, really contributed with ideas um, to, to sort of improve what the government suggested in the, in the legislation but or in the consultation, but also um, the government can't think of everything because the government is the government and not the industry it affects. So the industry needs to say, this is what we need and this is what we don't need because this isn't going to work, but this might work. So... Um, um, so the legislation also, what the industry wants is they want the legislation not to be too complicated. Again, if it's too complex, people will switch off uh, and the language has to be clear. So a lot of my discussions with a regular update, I have with the government, uh, nearly every discussion I have with them, I always say, you need to make sure that the language you use in the legislation is totally without any ambiguity, is crystal clear, the accountability is crystal clear. There are no words such as guidance, uh, um, recommendation, opportunity, because if you do that, you leave the back door wide open for loopholes. So please make sure you, you word it right. And I came across somebody called Lord Toby Harris, who is at the House of Lords in London, um, amazing guy and he is very much uh, he's the chair of the national preparedness commission and the lord the the mayor of london has asked him on a couple of occasions to write reports on how to protect the people of london but of course it doesn't just apply to people from london it applies to all of us and lord toby harris is a big big fan and advocate so am i by the way of societal resilience um, i really feel that terrorism is not just the issue not any longer like it used to be before the internet um, it is no longer just in my opinion the responsibility of the government of um, the police of counter-terrorism MI5 CIA in your case it's not it shouldn't be like that anymore because it's gone too big it's gone too too global and it's gone too um, because people get radicalized in their bedrooms uh, people are often under the radar. Therefore, we as a society really need to be more aware of, of what's around us and, and be more educated about terrorism. And, and he's uh, saying that it should be across industry and commerce, but also, just like I said, with the wider community. And that in, in really necessitates in engaging with the uh, community, uh, as you know. And... The next topic was um, obviously security versus liberty. I thought when I did my essay, my dissertation, yeah, there's going to be a discussion about liberty versus security. So I did some research and came across two research papers um, dated 2016 and 2018. And actually... From that research, it, it transpires that democratically run countries are more accepting of counterterrorism policies uh, and new security legislation. And that's simply because there isn't that, um, uh, you know, in some not democratically run countries, there's more um, uh, displeasure about 
government uh, and, and it's very anti-government but, but in democracies that is not the case and um, I also found that democracy cannot um, be possible without security and that the two should be symbiotic um, the consultation itself created a lot of um, debate and that's exactly what should have happened anyway and um, it also, what it also did is uh, it, it actually started in the UK a debate about uh, organizations to each other, discussions, not debate, and, and sharing of best practice and people coming together, different organizations coming together and saying, this is a problem we all have, let's work together and work out what's best for us. Um, the next thing about the um, protect duty was also accountability. So who is going to be uh, blamed if something goes wrong who's going to be responsible for any venue anywhere and um, what are the consequences for non-compliance and again these are the discussions we are having in our meetings with the government uh, I personally in my dissertation want the accountability to go to the boardroom personally because it's only then that people will put their hand in their pocket and pay money to put enough security in place because at the moment it's not happening a it's not legislation b everybody says well that's a gray space that doesn't belong to us that's a public path that's a beach nobody wants to own responsibility but actually publicly accessible locations are also parks beaches um places where, where you know um, any big gardens, anything like that, is be belongs to somebody. Somebody will hold responsibility for any area. And to me, it needs to go, as I said, to boardroom level to, to make people take it more serious. And one of the people I interviewed, she's a very, very high-ranking counterterrorism police lady. And she said, we should mobilize the public to call out poor security. And I agree with her. And she said, we should have something that's on social media like TripAdvisor and call out bad security. Obviously, you need to balance that out because terrorists will look at that and think, well, poor security will go there. But, you know, obviously, if, if it's called out, the venue ought to put more measures in place. Um, but what is important is that the public changes their attitude um, about threat perception, which was mentioned earlier. So um, over the decades, we've seen an increase in bollards and, and um, um, more cameras everywhere. And, and we have a, you have a problem with guns very sadly over here. In the UK, we are having an increasing problem with knife crime. There's a lot of people being killed, young people being killed. Um, so we need more, more security measures for those reasons. Um, but the, the, the increase of bollards and security measures like CCTV wasn't initially growing because of uh, terrorism. It was growing because of all normal crime. Um, um, but to me, you know, for me, um, the impact of terrorism needs to be balanced out for that because terrorism has an impact on, on flights. I mean, after 9-11, airlines completely changed their policy, um, completely, um, and, and quite rightly so, it's important. The stock markets really took a, a beating. Uh, the economy takes a beating when shortly after a terrorist attack, these are the things that happen. 
Um, and then after major attacks, often in the UK, we come up with these um, campaigns, run, hide, tell, say, see it, say it, sorted, all those, you know, you can hear them uh, on, on tunnels, at stations, etc. Um, but they are short-lived. People have a very uh, short memory, unfortunately, unless it impacts them directly. Um, France have an app that tells you what to do in a terrorist attack, how to behave. And again, um, I, again, I looked at um, uh, research in Denmark and the UK, and they did a study with people because one of the criticisms I got is, "Whoa, Martin's Law, well, just you can't tell the public about these things because you'll frighten the public to death." You know, terrorist attacks aren't that often that common. Don't don't instill fear in people. I disagree, but I also have research. I found research to back that up, because actually both Denmark and UK, the people who were in the research, they all agreed that actually information about pre-events uh, or before an attack did not increase anxiety at all. And the lack of information, in fact, was what increased the anxiety. And um, increased information had the result of, yes, people would, if they had more information about terrorism, they would actually trust the police and, and the security services more, um, and they would comply more with any orders that were given. So I found that quite interesting personally. Um, education around terrorism is important because when I when Martin died, I was ashamed to say that I knew nothing about terrorism. I used to watch the school shootings very sadly, terrorist attacks in Nice and in Paris and in Berlin. I used to watch them on the news and then maybe because of my day job listening to distressed people all day I didn't want to hear bad news so I'd switch over and, and say those poor people yeah but it doesn't happen in my world and then we became the news and I, I had a wake up call so but it then raised the question for me because I knew, knew nothing about it I thought what do these people want? Why would somebody go with a 50 kilo bomb full of nails bolts and screws walk into a crowd of people and blow himself up and loads of other people. Why would somebody do that? I wanted to know why, what, what it's all for, and I wanted to also know what governments are doing about it. That's why I studied the topic. But I think the best way to, to deal with an enemy is to learn about the enemy, and knowledge is power. Uh, it's as simple as that. The last criticism I got was cost. I, I was completely slated on Twitter about costs. And I, 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 you know, I don't agree with it because when you have human life, what is the, what is the price of a human life? It's priceless. Yeah, I'd give anything to have Martin back. I miss him so much, but I can't bring him back. And uh, cost should never be a reason not to put security in place ever. Um, again, my research found that actually putting decent, up-to-date security measures in place may even result in cost savings. But even if, uh, or better pay for people, but even if, if um, you can't change machinery, etc., I feel, I'm of the opinion, and all seven people I interviewed agreed with me, I'm of the opinion that actually the cost for security can be given back to the end user, the customer. Um, if you have a Chester Zoo, for instance, in the UK, have two and a half million visitors per year, 
if I mean the entrance tickets aren't cheap, but for God's sake, add a fifty pence security levy on top of the ticket price, that would co- uh, generate one million two hundred and fifty thousand pound a year. That surely has to pay for equipment, a security director, better wages. Surely, it, I mean, it's not rocket science, is it really? Then people said, yeah, but we don't charge security uh, entrance tickets. Okay, raise the money for tea and coffee. If you are an exhibit, uh, exhibition center, when you hire out stalls or stands, add another two, three hundred pound to the exhibitor, you know, as a security levy and do it that way. There, there are creative ways to raise that money. I will not accept that cost is an issue ever. And um, there's also in England free training. The the ACT uh, app is a really good app, although it's just recently after I finished my dissertation, it's just changed to UK Protect, where you can do the free ACT training. Um, but there's there's not just the 45 minute basic training. There's loads of training for organisations and structural training. So there's there's massive amounts free available. And finally, I'm concluding that democracy is not possible. Uh, without security and security and liberty are absolutely symbiotic um, and that there is no need for more security but better improved security and, and basically that is my dissertation. The general public needs to share the responsibility for their own security and informed public will become a more resilient public which is in line with what Lord Toby Harris also said and here are my contact details so there you go. Thank you.